The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material. Presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. I'm Jess. And this is episode number 282 of our, uh, no, 83. <laughs> I almost did it to myself sure? tonight. 200, <laughs> no, never sure. <laughs> but Episode 287. Positive. Uh, let's not get too Always far ahead counting. of ourselves. Uh Campaign models, the Odyssey. We're going to talk about uh, some stuff. So here, here's the thing. Here's I wanted Sounds to like an adventure, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I've been wanting to do this for a while, ever since we did our kind of campaign genre series. And uh, what I was thinking is it might be fun to kind of dissect different approaches to campaigns that aren't your traditional. Uh, well, a traditional quest is even kind of questionable, obviously, because somebody could. <laughs> what What is a traditional quest? Let's break that down, shall we, Eric? Um, but we we can definitely explore some different ideas that have very classic sort of elements and can can encompass the scope of a campaign if you want them to. And so I thought we'd get into that a little bit and talk about that. So I'm excited about that. Mostly though, I'm just excited to be here with you peoples. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Yay. Two what? weeks in a row. Not what only did I have the craziness? same cast two weeks in a row, which, I mean, I realize is, sometimes we have the same people two shows in a row, but we haven't done two weeks back to back in a while, and I am jinxing the fuck out of it right now to get a third yeah. one, but I plan to. <laughs> so, no, no. Uh, believe me, I lost this bet. It's double or nothing on the next week. So. <laughs> good luck, but it's just like, <laughs> Two weeks for my blood. The key is scheduling before we end the Zoom call. <laughs> that does help a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> scheduling well, that's for the how next I do it at the dentist's office. Like, if you, you don't give me another appointment, I don't know if I'll be back. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> even even then, if we... Yeah, good call. Even then, if we, uh, it, it, we... We still have to change the schedule. But I think by being proactive about it, having something on the calendar, it made us feel like we're working from something. So I appreciate you people so much. I'm so happy to see you. Um, I, it has been a uh, tough week. Adventure. Mm-hmm. It has been an adventure. I didn't get <laughs> yeah. to do a lot of gaming, but I did do some. And uh, I, I might talk about that a little bit because I did some kind of fun and ridiculous stuff in that game. But I'm still dealing with a group in that particular game, camp, that, that group. My Monday night game with Joe and Alicia and Jonica and Miss Nira and the kid who, you know, is, is uh, wow. I touched my microphone inappropriately. I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> slap it across. <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> Not say we didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I'm still dealing with a split party. You know, they were like in three sections doing different stuff. So super split. Yeah, it was. It was kind of crazy. And they have been for a while. And we've had a lot of delays and cancellations of that game. So it feels like it's been forever now since they've been since the characters been in the same fucking place together. But that's okay. It's all right. We'll deal. And in, I, I, I think we're making it fun. In the game I got to play, uh, the PCs decided to split up for their very first encounter, and I nearly murdered them. Aww. <laughs> so proud of you, nearly murdering them. <laughs> well, the thing is, is I was ready to give them either a ghost or a shadow, depending on where they were in the mansion. Sure. And then they decided to be in two different places, so I had to, on the fly, throw a ghost in one spot and a shadow in the other spot, and I just happened to give the two that would have been best against the shadow 
the ghost and the two that would have been best against Ugh. the ghost, the shadow. And I was like, now, well, let's see if we whoops. make it through this one. <laughs> now, now, did you make that decision like uh, the literally on the fly or did you, had you decided on like specific areas that the ghost or shadow might be in? I, I had decided on... Yeah, sure. Specific, not specific areas, general areas. Like if it's a bedroom, they're going to get a ghost. Clearly a ghost is going to be in a bedroom. And if it's the sitting room, they're going to get a shadow because there's all these spooky shadows. Um, And then (laughs) uh, I didn't think about it any further than that when they split the party. (laughs) It is not uncommon in my experience to have that problem where you you don't necessarily always anticipate, okay, even if you know the group is split up, anticipate what's going to be best handled by what party, what, you know, what party members' talents. Yeah. You know, or, or not even, sometimes not even talents, sometimes just even like style. And it's, it's like, oh, this is the guy that is going to rush, bum rush everything, so let's not give him the villain that never gets close enough to be bum rushed, you know, things like that. Yeah. This is the one character with silver weapons. Yeah, yeah, the problem. This is the guy with melee weapons only. Let's give him the flying opponent. You know, right? The problem here was that um, they were first level, and both ghost and shadow are pretty dangerous against first level player yes. characters. Mm-hmm. Um, True, and Most things are. Yeah, so <laughs> it really would have been the best if they could just have oh, no, faced cobalt. one. Oh no, how big, a, how big a group do you have? Um, it's a it's a cycling group, so it depends on who's playing that day. Somewhere between three and twenty. No, somewhere between three and <laughs> five. Okay, well that's not. I mean that's not a huge variation, but but three is still enough to be sure that m- most of the time you don't have to worry about just killing them by the very fact of their existence. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. at first level that'll still happen. You know, you can put still in the maybe category. If, if you if you go to the the challenge rating build stuff in D anD D and and look at the okay, I have three first level characters and I want to pitch them against orcs. Okay, how many orcs can they handle? If you put in one orc, they can handle it. If you put in two orc, on paper it says they can't handle it. Typically, in my experience, three PCs will still kind of munch through two orcs without a problem. Three right. orcs is likely to eat their lunch. So, I mean, it really does depend on how <laughs> how well your PCs are equipped to handle it. They not only killed us, they also ate our lunch. Rude. Right? I have mm. found, though, that uh, we... So, we are in 5th edition at the moment, and I have found, as I've been setting encounters up in 5th edition, that the uh, challenge rating balance is a little bit off, especially if you're going to use a lot of the actions that the monsters can take. Mm-hmm. Um so it it also t- I think it's going to take a lot more paying attention at know. the table as well. You have to well. get to know the monsters, yeah. Uh, and and you can set up encounters so that you have a lot more control over that. You know, set up the environment in a way that PCs can approach uh, monsters where they're separated, for example, or where they you know can use the environment to keep them from utilizing their best talents, especially the opponents at low level opponents. There's a lot of them that have like pack tactics and shit like that, so. It's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a mixed bag. I do a lot of like small groups now, which wasn't didn't used to be my thing at all, ever, almost ever, ever. But uh, especially now with with like the house games with my wife and kids, or, or right now just a lot with just Jonica and Gabriel, and I'll throw an NPC in there to help or something. Because two PCs at low levels is definitely just looking to get walked all over. You know, you, you you met one goblin. You go down the hall, you beat another goblin. You know, <laughs> that's about all I could do. I think uh, a table of four or five is the best for me. Agreed. That's what I like. Agreed. Yeah. That's what uh, 
except all my all my online games are either well, all of them are five PCs right now. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's all of them are five, and that's that works out nicely. I think even when I'm the player, but especially if I'm the DM, five PCs is pushing it. Of course, yeah. you start getting to those middle levels, and you know everything kind of. Well, three would be three players would be great if they're active and mm-hmm. actually trying to progress the plot instead mm-hmm. of waiting for something else to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And they're Sorry. either complimentary in their talents. I, and I feel like you're talking or... about something specific. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have my own inadequacies. But four or five is that sweet spot. Definitely. Every time I feel like I'm pushing the plot, I feel like I'm metagaming. Oh, no. I get to feel in that way too, as a player. Yeah. Well, and you got to remember, metagaming it could be, but if what part of what you're definitely enjoying about the game is moving the story forward, then depriving yourself of that if you have the opportunity and it's not hurting anybody, right? It doesn't make it bad metagaming. So, you know, if I'm thinking, what would I do if I was this character? The answer is go home and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I recommend a different character, sir. Yeah, maybe, maybe write someone else. Yeah. I was born with this character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't help you much with that one. <laughs> but check out those ability scores. <laughs> Despite all that, I, I love smaller groups. I really do. The challenges can be a little awkward and off. And uh, I, I do not, just like you you kind of did there with the shadow and the, the ghost, I am not afraid to pit more difficult opponents against a smaller, lower-level party, as long as I know what the goal of the encounter is. Because yeah. uh, I, I don't believe in all-or-nothing combat encounters being the sole approach to mm-hmm. having fun in a game, obviously. You know, particularly when the story is involved, you're, you're talking about, obviously, it sounds like a haunted house scenario, for example, of sorts. And in, the, in those kinds of things, you can have a lot of other reasons to be doing whatever you're doing at any given moment. If you were to, for example, if your job is to retrieve an artifact that will stop the haunting, then maybe avoiding getting beat down long enough to get the thing and get out of the room is enough mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, there are a lot of other ways to make it fun. And that way it gives you that liberty to make the encounters much more difficult if they just go at it, uh, beating their swords against like murder hobos. I think that just like PCs can remember that they don't have to fight to the death. um, Monsters don't always have to fight to the death either. Like a DM can think about monster motivation and pull them out of battle before they're all decimated. A very good or point. Or have them join the I, party. I always <laughs> feel like uh, I always feel like I get the most the most interesting looks when monsters turn tail and run from intimidating player characters. Whether even if the PCs weren't planning to be intimidating, sometimes like, when they come in and start just beating the hell out of everything, there's guys in the background going, "You know what? I don't necessarily want that to happen to me. That's not yeah, my well, thing." When the character screams, "Oh, my XP!" <laughs> for some reason Might getting my head meta. bashed in doesn't seem super motivating <laughs> you know you don't have to award xp just for beating the hell out of something you can you can avoid uh, you know award it for chasing them off or avoiding an encounter or anything you want to i think eventually i do want to play a game that is as crunchy as that though like, it could be fun you get exactly the it, experience it calculated the first 30 games <laughs> I don't know how many sessions we've been playing our Tuesday game because they're short sessions. But they are short sessions. It's definitely had long stretches of exactly of that going on because that is an XP driven game and you guys just don't give any quarter. For the most part, you meet you meet bad guys or something you think is a bad guy 
It's done. Because we He's, won our XP. Yeah. To I be noticed. fair, I'm normally not the one to throw the first punch. No. <laughs> Mostly because I'm really far away. Look, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm the bard. You know how we're known for throwing the first punch. And you guys have occasionally been the beat E's rather than the beat Ers. Oh, yeah. That happens. Yeah. I, I'm particularly uh, fond of the encounter where you guys r- rushed into the temple after setting off the loud, noisy trap. I like that part. Rushed into the temple just to be confronted by a more potent force that you didn't have the wherewithal to scout out first. And uh, got your asses handed to you. Two two of you escaped? Was it two, I think? I maybe thought it was two just you... Oh, maybe it was two. No, no, it wasn't. Um, it was two. It was, Vanessa's oh, yeah. just the one that came in and played A third uh, uh, kid's character's magic whisked him away. He had <laughs> a, one of the things on his armor had a, a, oh, a yeah. word of, uh, like a word of recall kind of That's effect. That's it. And took him back to his sanctuary. So I mean, there was that. That you just you guys just happened to be close to the sanctuary. And Vanessa's you know, character had its feet of running on it. No, it run. wasn't me. No. It was she you and down. Nira. You and Nira were the ones that got down. away. Oh, that one. Oh, I yeah, was thinking. That I was thinking farther back when she played goddess to get us out of the stuff. Yeah, now, that, that was, was that was good too. That was where like <laughs> five, what five PCs? Four of them were captured. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. and so Vanessa's character is the only one that got away. Now keep in mind. That Vanessa's middle, her character's middle name is I Got Away. She <laughs> is a coward, tried and true, running. absolute top pedigree. I do not get near the battle. I will sit here and zing them from afar. And then if it starts to look like it's going bad, I will get the fuck out. I mean, GTFO. That's that's the way it goes. Yep. She, she hangs back. And it's funny, too, because like in a fight. Like, they'll be dealing with the bad guys, and, like, if any of the fight moves closer to her, she will move that much further away and continue the fight. She has a certain kind of, like, distance in mind of how far she wants to be from any opponents that she is, what's the term? 300 feet away. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That helps. Eldritch Blast is nice. She's like, I'll be over here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but but the consequence is you guys all got captured in that one fight, and she was the one who got out, and then decided. Uh, and and and, and the th- I found was really gracious about this was that you guys were in the middle of the desert. There was no chance, almost zero possibility, that her character was going to survive trying to continue moving through the desert on her own at this point. No, <laughs> because it was That's dangerous. The I mean, she came back. <laughs> the supplies were part of the problem because like the cleric made supplies for you guys as you went and things like that. And, and like uh, your richest so character was making shelter. And I mean, there, there were things that were happening that helped the group along. She had supplies. She might've made it somewhere. But you would have had to survive long enough to get there, and you guys kept encountering dangerous shit out there in the sands. So, to be honest, it wasn't bravery (laughs) that drove her to try to rescue everybody. I wonder how hard it is to get one camel to carry the remains of another camel while you go through eating that one. (laughs) It was desperation with some luck thrown in, because I had a potion of flying that allowed me to hover and look more powerful than I was. Yeah, she intimidated the fuck out of me. She was already a pirate Yeah, I did intimidate. So she already looked other planer. I loved that session. And and what I did was I surprised... uh, Vanessa with uh, like some play by post stuff between sessions and kind of threw yeah. it up because nobody was with her. So there was like no reason not to. It just started, just suddenly yeah. started just role playing with a right that over messenger. She's like, Oh, 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 oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me get the mindset here. Feel, feel, feel it. Yeah, I, I, can, I can smell <laughs> the smoke, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> 
but yeah, it was great. And then so when it came to it and I started the session, that's how we started was her trying to get everybody out. And it worked out and it was fun. I think that situation made it fun with a character who, if you had had the ability to just skedaddle and you have felt obligated for the character to do just that, it could have been a campaign ending kind of moment. It could have. It wouldn't have been as fun in totality, you know. Ooh. So finding that that reason, and it didn't even require metagaming to get there because the situation was so dire. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I was going to die if I didn't have help. <laughs> sometimes ruining the Game Master's MacGuffin makes it a little fun. That's <laughs> true. You know, I, I, uh, I've enjoyed that game. It's had a lot of very kind of classic because i'm running you know dungeon crawls and classic adventure conversions and stuff just because i needed to do something i wanted to run i wanted to game with with that group of people and wanted to be able to run another game when i already kind of had my hands full it's like i need to do something that doesn't require a ton of prep so take some modules that are already written the first couple i ran had already been converted for 5e I, and I, I in the tales of the yawning portal book I went ahead and grabbed the, those adventures on Roll20 as well. So I had all the maps and tools and monsters, all the things. And I'd run the adventures before. So I knew them. So I didn't even have to sit there and, you know, study up on it or anything. I, I knew what we were doing as we went from section to section. It was very um, cathartic in a way to just sit back and run a classic feeling D&D game without any real prep, without any real work involved. Just, you know, hanging out and going through the, the process. But there are times, you know, where you, you know, if I didn't have other games going on where I got to really exercise my creative juices, and it's funny because I'll do something like that, and it's my direct reaction to it is almost exactly what I'm doing, say, on Monday night every week with a group where I'm running a completely homebrew campaign, almost nothing right out of a book. And one of the reasons I did that is because Joe and Alicia are in the game. And this was their first D&D experience with me and my family, my group, with, with us, the first D&D ex campaign experience, certainly. And I knew that they'd been doing nothing but 5th edition D&D since they started, and they were both game masters. They were going to be familiar with every monster, every magic item, all that. So I, want, I, I set out a quest to make almost nothing that they encounter in the game stock. Everything is custom, the monsters, the magic, all that stuff. I mean, to, to a certain degree, I mean, sometimes it's fun to see stuff you recognize, too. So I don't want to do that completely, obviously. You want there to be a payoff, too, to the fact that you love D&D &D and, the, and the trappings of D&D. &D, so that when you see things, you recognize them and, and understand how they work and have a little bit of ownership of that. But then I always like having surprises. And sometimes that's just a matter of filing off the serial numbers, of course. And we still have a party full of uh, cursed items. Yeah. <laughs> You're in the desert. It made sense. Curses. They kind of walk hand in hand with desert lore. Sure. You, you, you watch you watch any any mummy movie and you know it's every second word out of somebody's mouth is and it's cursed you know it's like, like Froger. Um so uh let's talk campaign model a little bit here. I I've been thinking about this this week and I so <laughs> when you think about um you know structuring a campaign and it, it, I I know that uh, Rich and Vanessa, you guys don't run campaigns. No, you both have run some smaller games and one-shot <laughs> scenarios and stuff like that. Pan. <laughs> but you've been in a lot of them. You've been in a lot of games. You've had the opportunity to explore them as players and kind of you know see them from the inside and you get a sense over the years. I'm sure of what you like, what you don't like, things like that. And so I kind of yeah. want to just kind of brainstorm a little bit. The uh, the idea of a, a campaign structure in the classic sense, you can you can try to break it down into. You could try to break it down into acts, you know, like the, you want this to happen in this section of the campaign, and then it moves on to this, and then it moves on to this. 
Or you can, you know, the the classic definition in like D&D, for example, of campaign is just whatever your string of adventures is basically with the same characters. So it's the story of those characters' adventures. Uh, or you can make it about some sort of epic story that uh, you know, moves organically through the course of that story to get to whatever uh, culmination of that story, either that the, the storyteller or designer is is working on or the players are completely doing on their own or some you know combination thereof. Uh, ideally, you know, just depending on what everybody wants out of the experience. But when you are designing a campaign experience, um, some sort of framework is usually necessary to give it scope. You know, you can run a completely sandbox game, obviously, and players may surprise you and <laughs> build something epic out of it. And give you the opportunity to just kind of throw stuff together in there to, to kind of keep up with them and give them, you know, grist for the mill. And you tell a great story together. And that's fantastic. Uh, but, you know, if that's what you're doing, you don't necessarily need advice anyway. You're doing great. <laughs> so I want to talk about stuff that has a little more structure. And uh, in in the, the classic sense, I tend to think of campaigns in a sort of... Um, quest-oriented model. Like, there is a story or uh, goal that is involved, uh, whether the PCs are aware of it early or not, that uh, develops over the course of, you know, however long it makes sense for that structure. And uh, I like to break them down into into sections or acts, but that's just because I there's that epic quality that speaks to me like that. And because it allows me easy organization, I also tend to develop plot lines that give me something to go back to. So if I'm running, for example, a completely um, organic game, then a lot of times if I have some sort of plot line, mostly what it is, is kind of what's going on in the world that isn't the PCs, but they have the opportunity to engage with. So I want to drop those breadcrumbs into the story as I go and give them the chance to determine how they want to engage with that. And then that way, anytime I'm kind of either worried about running astray or uh, concerned that I don't have a good idea or I don't like where it's going, I can refer back to that that plot line and see if there's something I need to do to keep moving forward. Also, it gives me a sense of progress. So if the campaign feels like in any kind of story terms, it's kind of stalling out, it gives me something I can go back to and say, okay, what what events do I need to kind of move into now? To keep that sense of progress going, so we feel like we're accomplishing something, um, something hopefully, like I said, epic. You know, and you know that's different values to different people. Uh, you know, my my uh, Johnny comes back here. Behind me, she said, "I think epic is overrated." I was just going to mention her. How strange. Uh, we <laughs> we have these conversations sometimes, uh, but but then again, you know, in in her um, in her dotage, she has started really enjoying. <laughs> Let's see. See if she's gonna slap me. <laughs> uh, she is really enjoying more uh, unstructured approach to campaigning. She likes. Uh, she's been doing a lot of stuff where she likes to play like Monster Hunter type games or um, you know like s- small quests. Serial. You know, very yeah. episodic kind of things. You know, it's like uh, less you know, less uh, where there's build up on every little thing you do. And I still inject, when I do those stories, I still inject a lot of other events that are going on that allow her and other players to engage with them, but they don't necessarily require that. The, th- the thing I like about the Odyssey, I love the, the long-form story, right? But the Odyssey breaks it into sections. 
where you're in different zones doing different things. So I get I get that serial feel, but I get to grow as a character within those series as opposed to like a serial where I'm I'm not really growing, I'm just facing different stories time and time again. Or, you know, total total chaos where everything always changes. And that's something you can do obviously with a lot of different structures. The thing I like about um, about that with with a story like the Odyssey, um, Homer's Odyssey, is that you you're talking about a journey. The actual goal of the story is basically a journey. I mean, there is a resolution at the end, which is in itself a great story, uh, if you like that kind of thing. But <laughs> and we and we can break that down because there are things going on at home. His destination. You know, like the first, actually, the first section of the poem, the first four chapters or books, whatever they call it, is like, uh, is, I mean, Odysseus doesn't enter the story until like, you know, a third of the way in or something, is is what's going on in um, where, wherever it is he's, I talk like I know this shit and I can't remember the name of the city. His home, though, where he's headed, right? You know, he's, he's at home. And uh, the, the, there's stuff going on there with his his wife having, you know, not, you know, there's a bunch of suitors and they, they everybody's trying to, you know, Ozesius is obviously dead. He hasn't home. He's been, it's been, he's been gone 20 years. You know, it takes him 20 years to get home. 10, 10 years in the Trojan War and then 10 years traveling home. That 10 years has the room to be an epic. And it is in this case, literally an epic. Uh, it, it, you can really build a lot into that that is both you know, both, both, you know, encapsulated uh, scenarios or adventures, but the common thread in it is still the journey. So I think it's a really kind of cool framework to hang a campaign on because you don't have to have this sort of like, like I run a lot of these massive campaigns where you do this thing and this adventure feeds into this other thing. And this one feeds into something bigger. And then there's some big other subplot that all those are somehow related to. I like that kind of stuff, but you don't have to do that. And when the point is the journey, you always have that moving you forward, literally, you know, and back in some cases. <laughs> I was I was in a campaign once and it kind of felt like that that whole moving through the different phases, except that I really got the feeling that the GM just got tired of the story they were doing. And so they just did something to put us in a different time where we could play something else. <laughs> what? Just, like, like we'd be trying <sighs> to escape from these things. We'd end up going through these caves. We'd end up on the other side of a rock thing. So we couldn't go back. And, and then we had to go forward. Um, and, and so we ended up in this completely different world doing this completely different thing. <laughs> our characters are still moving forward it probably would have helped if we hadn't burned so much stuff to the ground to be fair <laughs> we had one pyromaniac we also had somebody who had a pet log which i absolutely still love and i think you should always have a log with you when you're in a dungeon wow they're great um, weights they're great steps they're great stools great they hold doors open put on your back the uh <laughs> you can hide behind them i was reminded of platformers where you like have a certain like marker that you get to and you can't go back that's you can only yeah. go back the previous that's screen how, that's how the campaign <laughs> felt that's awesome i um, uh am currently using kind of the inverse of the odyssey instead of going home i'm setting up the world in that the player characters can go away from home and so the further the, out they get the more uh, progressed in experience and level and story that they can do 
without having to have a driving point to go to. It gives you a very kind of a lot of room for world building too, just something like that. Because you can, because if you start with a very kind of localish kind of feel, then you only have to define their little world, their little microcosm. And as they move outwards, you can constantly surprise them. You know, throw throw new um, experiences, new settings, and new ideas at them that were outside the purview of what they started with. Made me think about the giver because the world just keeps getting weirder the farther you from the middle you get. <laughs> That's a really good example. Isn't it? That's a great movie. Um, I have been um, I, I've been fond of uh, kind of a campaign model in the past where you start with this. You start in a very small, often isolated place, and uh, the PCs really only know that place. You know, which is easy to do in a fantasy game because fantasy, you, you know, that you have that kind of medieval peasantry kind of feel going on. People never travel very far without a good reason. You know, the farthest you may have gone in your life is to the next village or to the big town where the baron is or something. And that would be a rare thing, right? So adventuring out into the world, really experiencing the world, you, you want that feeling of it kind of opening up, right? It's like you, you are because you're literally becoming more experienced. You know, you are you are seeing more right. cultures and, and, and meeting new people and experiencing everything. All these Those new the things. storylines I like. Yeah. yeah Until no, the O'Reilly showed up and then it got a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Exploration is a started. good theme. It's a really good theme. It's not the one we're talking about right now. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a really that's a really cool example. Stargate's a good example of that. You know, anything that starts from the premise of. We have discovered that there are, th- you know, we have the ability to go places we've never been before. There is a human drive for exploration. Curiosity is a is a big part of our makeup. Now, whereas I personally don't feel that need, I've never lived in a in a place where I need that at that level or where that's accessible to me. But imagine being in a place in your life where you can, you have the opportunity, the means, the method to. Go somewhere, whether it's, you know, under the sea or into a massive cave system or just to an unexplored area or into outer space, obviously, places where nobody has has been and you have reason to think there's things to experience there. You know, that's part of my issue is obviously that 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 particular element, there has to be like not just the drive but the anticipated reward. Because if my reward for going out into outer space is spending years going through emptiness and maybe getting radiated to death, I don't necessarily know that I'm excited about this. Also why I like Spelljammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The promise is adventure, though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> adventure, with, exploration. Mm-hmm. With the Odyssey, like you've got the, the reward is going home and that's built into anything, anybody's brain of like a return oh. to familiar... What's a good, um, I know I've seen other entertainments that have that too, that sense of we are returning home at the end of this. Um, uh, that stupid space movie with the robots. Oh, wow. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, oh, that one movie. Yeah. Oh. That had a little bit of that. Right. They were going to a mythical yes. home, you know, to the origins of their people or whatever. But that was, uh, that's a really good one, actually. That's because they, yeah. they their, their way of life was completely threatened and they felt like that was their recourse. It also it really gave was. them drive, right? Was that the same? I only watched the newer version. Was it the same until, premise until in the Battle old one? Star, yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Until Battlestar 84 came along and then it got weird. Kind of messed with it all. Uh, <laughs> it, it felt I like those, it was, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it felt like it was, at that point, it felt like it was an excuse to, you know, save money on sets because you could just film stuff in LA <laughs> or something like that. But I, I really but they had uh, all new wardrobe. So I don't. 
I know I've played like there was a game called um, Homeworld uh, on PC years ago. Uh, that was a really kind of cool, um, you know, premise. There was that these people they've been scattered, you know, to distant star systems and stuff, and they were working on trying to find their way home. Uh, and it had a, that theme was driving, you know, it, it had it felt very material. And I kind of like that. I hadn't actually thought of those in contrast to like the experience of the Odyssey, though, which is kind of like, I think, the primal expression of that. It gives it to having that like final destination of home. It gives it the op- opportunity to be more episodic than uh, a different sort of quest epic. With still a, a singular drive that encompasses everything. Because even while you're doing episodic stuff, you also have that goal of things that help you progress in your journey right but your your story points are to the to get to the end not in fact the stargate universe the last show that they did that only went two seasons was a show where they got transported onto a distant ship that was traveling through space and then they couldn't get back home and so then the rest of the quest was let's see oh voyager star trek voyager is the same sort of thing voyager thrown to another quadrant and then like let's send to spend the next 80 years Heading home. Boy, it felt like that watching it. <laughs> yeah, they did it in seven. It was amazing. The uh, interesting <laughs> difference, though, is I don't think that Voyager could measure their progress home the same way that uh, Odysseus could measure his pro- progress home. And I think part of the reason for that is they could, in a physical sense of if we are going from straight here to straight there, we know how long it's going to take and we know how to get there. But if we have to do it that way, it's almost unacceptable because that, like I said, literally would have taken like 80 years. You know, so they were always looking for shortcuts. And that makes it impossible, obviously, we to measure to home. We don't want our children to go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gosh, that's uh, I guess it, it, there's a lot of um, analogs like that. But I do love the feel of that. I, there's something about that I think that as a player, I can embrace, you know, that sense of longing that that need to return to something that's meaningful to me. And and the Odyssey was vitally a quest about one man trying to make his way back to his family and his kingdom. And everybody of course was his crew and his his friends etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But I mean when you kind of boil it down to just one person or in the case of PCs obviously just a few people who are at the heart of that story, you can make it as as big or as small a, a company in that quest as you want. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting in the Odyssey is that a lot of the other people, the rest of the party, a lot of them were kind of expendable. You know, they're just part of the story in that he loses people You can just feed them to the giants. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> turn them into giants pigs. Giants gotta eat. <laughs> you know, let the, let the sirens take them. You know, whatever. You, well, I, I would love that. Lash me to the mast so I can hear them. The rest of you guys, it, whatever. <laughs> to be fair, if you don't pluck your ears good enough, it's your own dang fault. Right, right. Well, in, in a slightly unrelated, I think the name of his hometown was Ithaca or something like that. Ithaca, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. right. Ah, thank you. <laughs> yep. The popular I name cities. You can you can do a lot with it and make it fun, and you can make it last. I mean, his story was ten years. Obviously, that doesn't have to be the way it goes. One thing I, I thought was kind of cool. So you got uh, major obstacles, which create great adventure. Uh, in the case of Odysseus's journey, uh, Poseidon hated him pretty early on. Because he blinded his son, the Cyclops, you know, to get his people away from him. And so, I mean, then you have, like, the god of the sea angry at you. And by the way, you're sailing on it. <laughs> There's a lot that can go wrong there. A lot there. of the journey. <laughs> There's also a, a lot of, like, cool mythological beasts and dangers that were, you know, hazards. 
uh, Scylla and the harpies and, and all that. Um, and then Calypso, but there was, but like one great story, I think without, I mean, I, cause I could sit here and just talk about the Epic of the Odyssey and just break it down beat by beat. That's not really the point. One of the really great story points I thought was where they, um, I can't remember the name of the people, but they gave him the bag that they filled with the winds, right? The bag of winds. And he took it with him and it allowed him to move closer to the coast to control his journey home, stay in sight of land so that he could, you know, be better informed about the journey. At some point, his crew became, they started to believe that there were some hidden treasures in this magical bag. And so, uh, like, one night when he's cashed out or something, they take the bag and they, uh, they open it up and they unleash all this, and the winds blow them way off course and set them all the way back to the people pretty much that they got it from. You know, so they lost years off their journey just because of, you know, suspicion and, and contrariness amongst their own party. And I say, as a player character, if uh, that ever happened, I'm not <laughs> sure I would care about the end of the Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> I am now going to murder Hobo the NPCs. <laughs> right? Like, it would have to be done very wonderfully for me to stay interested. <laughs> well, again, the goal has to matter. And the, the a goal like that is only going to matter. I mean, it's hard-baked, so it's only going to matter as much as the players want it to. You have to have a lot of buy-in for this type of campaign. So you have to either have to build in the longing to the story early on, like create the situation that, that put them there, or you have to uh, hard bake it into the into the setup for the game in a way that requires the PCs to be invested. Maybe There's nothing wrong also with that. the Odyssey would be a fun thing to do for the higher level characters, like the 15, 16, 17 level characters start mm-hmm. out on their Odyssey to go home. Uh, and that makes that like they haven't, like it makes it a fun sort of, we get to play higher level and we haven't been home in so long. And we just want to see. That's an interesting idea. It also allows you to throw more interesting dangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I and of course you don't have to rely on you know the challenge of a monster to be the obstacle. You know you can no. you can come up with a lot of hazards that just interrupt the process of their journey. Whirlpool make things more difficult. The yeah. whirlpool. Cella <laughs> so, so was a really good way to do that. And I was like, oh look, there's the biggest freaking whirlpool in the world. Yeah. The the only problem with the whirlpool as a as a general obstruction is that there's only so many ways to adjudicate it, and the results are either you are dying in a whirlpool or you are not or you know? you're being teleported to the land of the fairies and right, you get to right, meet or, the greatest little guys ever or sucked regardless, into some undersea city suck. you know regardless <laughs> <rules> suck <laughs> no i think they pull i did run a campaign um it's actually <laughs> in our actual play series uh the obsidian crown where the premise of the campaign uh that um one of my players justin came to me with and said this is what i'd like to do i'd love to do a game where we play like the 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 leaders of an army that has been away on campaign uh, for like 15 years and has in the last a few years ago received the summons home. And by the time they return home, which is where he wanted the game to start, I loved this idea. It's like, right? So I, and it gave me this excuse to come up with not just like a kingdom where they came from, but like the entire continent all at once because I wanted to describe the lands that they'd been to and the cultures that they've been involved with and it would work those into the game, right? But they, uh, they they wanted to start with the return home, but by the time they get home, the king who summoned them home is no longer on the throne. So a usurper has come to power, but they honor him. The people honor him as a king, so they don't know what they're getting into. But they got an army at their back. 
I thought you <laughs> were leading up to uh, the time they come home is uh, at the scene when a girl worth fighting for ends, and it's just a decimated town, Aww. and I was going to be very sad. That was sad. I do love the song, though. But I didn't yeah, think of that's that. pretty much a downer right there. I did the decimated mm-hmm. town somewhere in the middle. But, you know, I mean, that, that's fine, too. <laughs> and I mean, I turned it into a huge political game, of course. And then um, also a lot of very stringent sort of horror stuff with powers that nobody understood that were involved in what was going you on. You did a game. horror game? What? That doesn't sound like you. I don't understand. the game when I wasn't looking. I, yeah, I, was, I don't, I, how could that ever happen? That doesn't seem like anything that would ended up in Detroit and just got worse The key to horror is... Running surprise. a game, apparently. Surprise. <laughs> surprise is when even the game master is surprised. <laughs> I just like the feel of it. I like the tenor of it. Jess um, is like, I don't know why the ghost was in that room. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps he'll die. <laughs> Horror games are about investing the players in the experience and getting people emotively engaged. That's why I like it. It is just a tool. I just uh, have good tension mechanics. I yeah. did not intend this game to be a horror game i just wanted some spooky time sessions but um honestly by the way the player characters are being directed uh, i feel like we're gonna just end up playing a horror game <laughs> yes it's, not a bad thing. it's okay it's fun <laughs> wait do your vampires sparkle that's all i want to know <laughs> No. Not yet. They do now. That's a better answer. Not the until we put the fairy dust on them. Super glue and glittery <laughs> dust. Uh huh. Running it as a high level game is a cool idea. You know, started them out at kind of a, a mid or high level where they they've had like in in Odysseus's case, for example, they'd had the entire campaign of the Trojan War. You know, they would not be neophyte characters. They are they are veterans. They're they're accomplished warriors. One of the things that is always interesting and important in, in like Greek myth too is that your characters of note, like Odysseus, are heroes, and that heroes in that sense are you know that cut above everybody of the every man anyway. So you have your accomplished veteran soldiers, and then you have Odysseus. When he got home, when he managed to get home, and this I love this part of this challenge too. He gets home and decides not to just walk in the door as Odysseus and just see what's what. Uh, because he doesn't know what his wife, I think her name was Penelope, he doesn't know what his wife's you know, situation is or anything. He's probably heard rumors by the time he gets there. He he acts like a beggar. He plays the beggar. From the moment she sees him, his wife kind of suspects. But it's like a nurse or something that knew like a childhood injury of his. It sees a scar or something when when he's getting cleaned up or something. And that's, that's like, so she knows. So once his wife's pretty much sure that he's there and he's and she's got this hundred suitors around, which of course, I think part of the concern there is, if I remember correctly, if he just kind of came, you know, came out and made a claim or something, they would all just denounce him and probably kill him without some sort of, you know, absolute proof, you know, that you could undeniable proof. Right. So his wife created a challenge and said, um, okay, if you are all my suitors, if you want to win my hand, I put this challenge to you and here's the thing you have to do. You have to be able to draw Odysseus's bow, which only he can do, and fire these arrows at this target. So, but yeah, the whole point to, was... No, he had to thread <laughs> the arrow through t- the... So you know how an axe head is normally shoved onto a handle? That's right, it's through but axes, If you took right. it off... Yeah, if you took it off, then you could. There would be a hole between or of the arrow of the head. Ah. So they lined ten of them up, and you had so you had to draw his bow and fire the arrow through ten of these axe head holes. Through the axes, you're right. I remember that. 
And that is that is a crazy cool idea. Now, obviously, in a gaming sense, unless you are setting something up in advance or building it, baking into the story in a way that makes sense, it's going to be hard to just present a challenge that your PC is going to be the only one who can do. And, you know, if you're going to do something that's like a challenge or contest or tournament or something, you want it to be more fun. If if it's a sure thing, it's not as fun. Maybe also the best payoff to traveling home. Like, uh, I get it. The Greeks and Homer had to write this right. great big thing for literature thing, yeah. or whatever. But maybe when we're playing the game, the best payoff is just a banquet, you know, like, honor, <laughs> honor me. I have gone all this way. Please give me celebrations it was my the town we feast. burned along the way yeah <laughs> it, it really just depends obviously on the story you're telling and what you feel like what if you're the game master what you feel like your players are going to enjoy and going to find rewarding you know if if the, if there is a final challenge obviously uh to that story to the homecoming you know there's a lot of different ways you can handle that you can you can have them in a situation where getting home means finding out that things aren't the way they left them and give them a chance to fix that you know, like the king who isn't on the throne, you know, and in that story in the Obsidian Crown, you know, no spoilers on that, but they did something about it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's only 24 episodes and it's fantastic. It's a lot of fun to listen to. I I really feel like you there's there's a lot of um, opportunity built into that. But you do, like, like Jesse's saying right there, you do want there to be some sort of very specific, profound payoff that is part of the content, the theme, you know. Of that that uh, continuity, that goal, or just everybody dies, it's fine. <laughs> it is also a payoff of sorts. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. <laughs> That's the way to end a campaign. I I would I would leave if I have to retrace my steps, but if you kill me at the end, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to know where you stand, Jess. <laughs> Appreciate you. So, just one example of a framework that I think could be a lot of fun to kind of toy with, and uh, the journey as a as a, a goal is tricky at times. I think because you don't want it to feel hopeless, but you don't want it to feel easy you know and there they should be setbacks but obviously like you were intimating jess they should not be setbacks that feel so crippling that they take the wind out of your sails you know they take the heart out of your adventure you um kind of mentioned earlier you know that a sandbox would be a different thing but i think an odyssey home could work in a sandbox style still Oh, just, just by establishing them, the simple goal yeah, instead and then of, letting them do it how they want to do it. Yeah, instead of having your story beats, just let them figure that out and then put the obstacles in the way and still run it sandbox. I think that'd be fine, too. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that requires a little more improvisation, but that's what a sandbox is. If you're a sandbox mm -hmm. GM, that's what you love, mm -hmm. obviously, is that, that improvising almost everything that comes at you. As long as I have my backpack and my map and, and the monkey. And the lock. I'm good to go. And the lock, yeah. Wow. And a door. Oh, that's what Dorothy dust. Explorer needs is a log. <laughs> yeah. she, she, she thought of that sooner. Yeah. Log, swiper? Log, no. Log. <laughs> Swiping. Gotcha, Swiper. <laughs> Do it again. I'll throw it. Gotcha, gotcha. Swiper. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, want to start off this sort of thing, whether you're sandboxing or not, um, Run it by your players, kind of from the beginning, and see if you're going to get the kind of buy-in that'll make it fun. See if the idea yeah. seems exciting. Always session zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Always. Yeah, and, and I mean, some a lot of this kind of stuff I'd, I'd want to plan because I, I like adventures that have a lot of, like, meat and hooks. I'd want to plan some of that before I got to session zero. 
So I would pitch it early, but I do pitches. I like that. You know, I'd, I'd, I'll put the, the three or four paragraphs together that are kind of the pitch for my campaign and see what the reactions are. So it's a really easy thing to do with your group. My pitch you know. is usually, I got a hair up my ass. Just trust me. It's fine. I got a 13 <laughs> on my reaction roll. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> the uh, the hair up your ass approach works too. You know, as long as if if that's what people get excited about, then you got the buy in. Yeah. You know, and they can't complain about whatever you come up with at that point. <laughs> it's, it's all kind of on you. But yeah, I mean, you've been there. I I I, I want to run a game. Everybody's gonna play Cobalt. Yeah, mm, yeah. That was a lot of fun. That was a fun premise. That was a lot of fun. Any, anybody have anything to add to that? I don't. Um, I don't necessarily have anything else on my notes. Just kind of wanted to uh, discuss the idea a little bit. Oh, no. The story that involves working your way towards a destination doesn't have to be a linear story. Um, it doesn't have to be a voyage or a, a literal journey uh, in, in the traditional sense. I mean, you could do the same thing with like, like a time travel story, you know, where the goal is to get back to where you belong. <laughs> Even just trying to get across town. What is it? Like one night in New York or something like that. A whole campaign, though? You could make an odyssey of trying to graduate. <laughs> you could do that in New York, I think. <laughs> trying to graduate? Yeah, like, if you're thinking Strixhaven setting, you could make an odyssey of trying to graduate. There you go. Throw obstacles in your way. Mm-hmm. Piss off the gods. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. Uh, Be imprisoned by, by sorcerers for seven years. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one professor who refuses to grade any of my papers higher than a C. Uh-huh, yeah. And if by imprisoned you mean detention, yeah, yeah. I think at its heart, um, a uh, school-oriented game is its own campaign model we could discuss. Maybe. And dig into a little bit. It may be a a little much now. I mean, we're seeing a lot of it, you know, a lot of that craze happening anyway. But there's been a lot of games before, you know, D&D decided to do a supplement for it. Mm-hmm. That that we're focusing on it, like Monster Hearts and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, a lot of great, a lot of great material out there already, um, and uh, that's not even to mention, you know, that it's easy to you know set to create games and set them in the Wizarding world if you wanted to, or mm-hmm. or the you know the the world of the magicians or any number of other you know, uh, IPs that are out there that have done excellent the, job. The the not mutant mutants uh, uh, quake. Guys? Not oh. the X-Men, but the other ones. The other Quake ones was have. one of them. Anyway, those guys too, because they've got like a little school thing set up for their whole ordeal. Quake was in uh, yeah. the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, her her guys, hmm. the not mutant mutants. Not mutants, yeah, the Inhumans or whatever. Inhumans, yes, that's the one. Thank you. I was trying to think of the word they used, yeah. Yeah, you could do an Inhumans one. It'd be fun. Yeah, there's a lot of fun there. Uh, and, and that's a, a, actually the, even like Xavier's school is a great kind of you know well, playground for sure that kind of thing. You, you know if you to. just want to play x-men <laughs> well students i mean you play students that that it's you know know the x-men genre yeah i know i know i actually uh one of my um favorite kind of side tangential campaigns like that when i was younger was a guy that ran a mage school game and we were all wizards of some sort and it was, um, I think, during the second edition days, and they had the splat books out. They had all the different, you know, kits and stuff that you could make wizards feel very different that way. And uh, then you, of course, multi-classing um, or different um, elemental types of magic, you know, things you could do to just to just vary them up. And so we had a lot of fun with that. I think there were like six of us in the game, and we had a lot of fun with it. 
I don't remember much about the game itself. I just remember that the characters were fun. And I remember my character because he was freaky and weird. But really? <laughs> what? You made a yeah. horror character? No way. It was a little bit, actually. <laughs> that wasn't the goal. <laughs> or the point. Wow. He was like, he was, I, I was, I was, I made a character who was like shadow magic stuff, but it was before really we'd seen anybody do anything like that in the D&D supplements. So it was like, you know, shadow magic, but I was just doing like uh, shadow versions of other spells, you know, creating variations on them and stuff because he had been exposed to some shadow magic and he had been turned all inky black. And so it has cat familiar. So I mean, he's just weird, just a weird character. So you know how in John Wick, there's this like whole structure of assassin oh, thing, yeah. right? Is there a school for training up the assassins? Can we have an assassin school? Sure, why not? That could be fun. Particularly if you're, I love the concept of assassin being very generalized because you could take any skill set that pro- that promotes the ability to more effectively assassinate. And, and create a career model out of that. So you could, in D&D terms, you could easily have assassins who are wizards, fighters, rogues, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, even clerics who specialized in it. It would be uh, an interesting kind of premise to play with. But Assassin cleric sounds fantastic. That just sounds like fun, doesn't it? Assassin there's all, cleric there's, sounds terrifying. There's some dark spells out there, too. What's Vanessa's ideal school? What's Vanessa's ideal school? That's yeah. a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I I saw the trailer for John Wick Four today. Haven't. I'm I'm ready. I forgot there was even a three. <laughs> yeah, the three was good. I haven't seen it yet. Three had I've some two. It had some weird points, but I mean it was good. I just man, so I, many I've, assassin things get weird when you have put in too many sequels because you can only do the same story so been, many times. These have been good. I don't understand how they do it. Just good writing is what I, and amazing action sequences. You just don't get tired of it. You know that's what it takes. The creative and amazing. And uh, Keanu's just fun to watch. I mean, older Keanu is fun to watch. He just Constantine. Just They're doing a Constantine sequel. Are they, is it official? With Keanu, yeah. Nice. I'm super stoked <laughs> about that. Yeah, but what about Tilda? I don't know. They would almost have to have her. Depends. I mean, things didn't go so well for Gabriel at the end of the last one. <laughs> so, yeah. I got it. Well, that's why she's dying to come back. A cooking school, and the DM NPC is the French foreign exchange cook. Ooh, better than the Swedish foreign exchange cook. And in one of our campaigns, we have a cook character, and I'm really getting more intrigued with the idea of being able to do magical foods. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Oh, yeah, for John's <laughs> character. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. So uh, would it be interesting to have an entire group I do. I do of cooking students? With magic. I do love his reskinning of spells that oh, have awesome. <laughs> like his chromatic orb is so awesome. such a such spicy meatball or whatever uh, it is. Yeah, I love seven it. Spice. Yeah. Seven spice, yeah. Something. Seven spice soup or something, yeah. <laughs> Fling it. He's fun. He's playing a rabbit person. What I can't remember what they're called. The Haragon. Haragon. Haragon, yeah. Yeah, so, so cool. And he's a cranky bugger. He's fun. Hilarious. He's been fun for my Aarakocra to tease. <laughs> oh, no. Right? Wait. Match how is your Aarakocra not just eating him? That is where That's the teasing is. <laughs> you look like dinner. He twitches yep. a lot when the Aarakocra is around, yes. Yeah. That's. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into that game. We have a, we had a long so hiatus much. on that one. I'm hoping next week we get a session in. We've had a super long hiatus. Right. Cat season? Tax. Tax Tax season. (laughs) What did you think he said? Cat. Cat? Yeah. I didn't know cats had a season. Because all the cats I have to work with on the weekend. I wasn't sure. (laughs) 
I mean, maybe you have surrounded your. Never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. It's too raunchy. Oh no! Oh no! That's not me. (laughs) It's a mature-rated show. You can make it. (laughs) It is. I was more excited about the fact that the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile was in town. (laughs) I don't think I want to expose your audience to that side of me yet. Oh, Jess, you haven't been gone that long, surely. I'm sure if we dug into the archives, we'd find that you did a little bit of exposing. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, just saying. Uh, Which I always enjoyed. Well, I guess all I got then. Let's go ahead and kind of uh, let everybody get on with their weekend. But uh, if you have anything to add, any ideas uh, regarding this topic or anything else you'd like to discuss, please. Write me a letter. Drop us a line. Uh, feedback at prismaticsunami.com. That's feedback at prismaticsunami.com. I will happily forward it to Jessie so she can read it on the air. Yes. Because she lives for that stuff. Uh, or you can drop by our Discord server. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I remember that place. Actually, I got to do inventory this weekend, so it's we're behind on it. Uh, are we Are we gonna have enough people to record at the game fest? Uh, Vanessa, are you gonna go? Are you can come with us. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Likely. Likely. Yay. Yes. Not a hundred percent yet. I'm still working out some shit with Justin. Huh? <laughs> it's like because if you like leave him on his own, he doesn't eat or anything. Yeah. You gotta like plan all that ahead or. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Make sure to feed the husband. Water the husband. But yeah, if I've got, if if you and Vanessa are both there, I mean, we'll have Jonica with us. We could at least get on the mics and and talk for a bit. Talk all about how well the tea did. The mics may be a little recorder in the middle of a table because I'm not going to have the room for a bunch of (laughs) extra equipment. I got to find as much. Why would you record on a little musical instrument? Ah. Wrong kind of recorder. But I have recorded on one of those before too. Do children still learn to play recorders today? Feedback at Prismatics. Oh, sorry. I ruined it. Do children listen to this podcast? I kind of hope not. (laughs) Although, you know, we're not that bad. Speak for yourself. Mostly because we, Jesse holds herself back. Apparently that's, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. But I've, um, over the years, many a time I've had Jesse and Rich in the same room for hours and it gets raunchy after a while. Just saying. Oh my! Okay, that paints a really weird picture. It was it intentional, <laughs> not untrue, just weird. Not <laughs> untrue, just weird. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us for episode number two hundred eighty-three of uh, Meta Gamers Anonymous. We're going to do something special for three hundred. That's going to be here soon. Woo! Uh, by then, we'll be more than eleven years old. But uh, is, it, is it cake? I don't know. Or is the I, cake a lie? Cake. Is, Let is, me... is, the, is is three hundred the cake anniversary? I'm not really sure. Let me, in on, let me let you in on a secret. I'm already more than 11 years old. Aww. It's unimaginable. I know now. A real lady never tells her age. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> my name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. I'm Jess. I'm red in the face. Good night. <laughs>